You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome in to the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. It's Friday. That means a lot of fun here on the big show. We're with you the next couple of hours talking sports and more. It is Friday, November 3, 2023, the eve of Alabama LSU. Tomorrow night at Bryant-Denny Stadium, SEC West showdown between the Crimson Tide and the LSU Tigers. Much more conversation about that this morning. And uh, we'll get into everything we've got on the show here in just a second. As I said, I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got uh, Justin Jones. I want to thank Justin for sitting in for me yesterday. He's back. Uh, in the control room this morning, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Of course, he's also um, doing all the heavy lifting over there. Uh, Noah Haynes is running around here as well. And, of course, we got Bama football trivia coming up at 1030 this morning and your chance to win a uh, special edition Greg Gamble print of the shutout, which commemorates Alabama's 2012 BCS National Championship win over LSU in the Sugar Bowl or in uh, New Orleans at the Superdome, 21 to nothing in the BCS National Championship game to win the 2011 National Championship. After LSU had beat Alabama in overtime nine to six in the regular season, the Crimson Tide uh, uh, got a payback and then some by shutting out LSU. Of course, LSU did not cross the fifty yard line until the fourth quarter of that game. So we'll give away that print at ten thirty <clears throat> this morning with Bama football trivia, and uh, looking forward to that. All right, before we go any further, let me tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it's just a better way of banking. I encourage you to find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here's what's on tap for today. We are loaded at 930 Fox Sports play-by-play broadcaster Adam Amin will join us to go around the world of sports. Of course, Adam, one of the top play-by-play people in the game and uh, can't wait to uh, visit with him. And uh, we do it uh, most Fridays. He can't be with us every Friday. But this week, this weekend uh, on Sunday, he is on the call with uh, Daryl Johnston and Pam Oliver for Packers and Rams. And he'll be with us at uh, 9.30 this morning to talk World Series, NFL, NBA, and more. Then at 10 o'clock, Gary Stoken, president of the Chick-fil-A Bowl, will be in to visit with us about uh, the way it's shaping up for the Chick-fil-A Bowl, his thoughts on the first college football playoff rankings, and much more. Gary Stoken, uh, friend of the program, terrific uh, gentleman and a big mover and shaker in the world of college football. He'll be with us at 10 o'clock this morning. Then at 10.30, it's Brett Pritchard with the Auburn report as the Tigers coming off their first SEC win of the season over Mississippi State get ready to go to Vanderbilt uh, they'll play in Nashville this um, Saturday to take on the Commodores so at uh, 10 30 as well as we said Bama football trivia and uh, that's presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and University Mall you can go to my Twitter uh, account or to my 
WVUA 23 Gary Harris Facebook page and see the print. I've put it out there a couple of times. It is the shutout, which commemorates Alabama's 21-0 victory over LSU in the 2012 BCS National Championship game. It uh, is also a special edition numbered 11, number 11 out of 100 by Greg Gamble. So I uh, definitely want to give a thought on playing Bama football trivia. We've had some great, great giveaways. Uh, we've given away Jalen Milrow autographed football. Last week, Isaiah Bond autographed football. Uh, a bunch of really nice prints. And we'll keep it going here today with uh, Bama and LSU that the shutout print, limited edition number 11 of 100, Alabama 21, <clears throat> LSU nothing at the 2012 BCS National Championship game. So I know you'll look forward to that. Your phone calls, as I said, are welcome. 205-342-9904 is the number on the first of main condos hotline. couple of news and notes. Uh, Thursday night football last night. You got to give the Steelers credit. They find way to, ways to win games uh, when they just don't look good doing it. But they uh, outlasted the Titans last night. 20 to 16 was the final score up in Pittsburgh. A good game for Derrick Henry and for Najee Harris. Henry went 17 carries for 75 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Najee 16 carries for 69 yards and a score. And it was uh, Will Levis having another good game, 22 to 39 for 262. But he did throw an interception in the end zone there uh, near the end of the game. Uh, Quan Alexander, the former LSU uh, player in Ox- Oxford High School standout uh, from the state of Alabama got the uh, game-saving interception for the Steelers. So uh, the Titans, just uh, one of those teams that they just uh, they win one, lose one. Uh, they drop to three and five, and the Steelers, uh, as we said, um, win again without doing a lot. Five and three, Pickett only threw for 160 yards, but uh, they got you out, man. They 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 just. Uh, they are a tough-minded football team and and um, don't have to score a lot of points to find ways to win and and a big, big win for Pittsburgh last night. Also, uh, I didn't know who the guy is. Justin, I'm going to bring you in on this because uh, when I saw the guest picker yesterday, I was like, who? And um, I put it out on my social media and there's a lot of people that don't know who he is, but there are a lot of people that love the guy. And uh, But my whole contention is nothing... nothing um, against him uh i understand he's funny uh he's got a show on netflix i don't have netflix maybe that's what i've ever heard of him they said he hosted or was on saturday night live or something uh but um uh nate bargazzi is the host i just found it weird when i looked it up and he put out a post that he's a vanderbilt fan and he's of course based in nashville and i'm like why bring him in for alabama i know they had joe namath last time but still if you check if you check the list of pickers when they've been in tuscaloosa more times than not they seem to pick somebody who doesn't have any ties to Alabama or pulls for another team. I know, I know they had the, uh, country singer that wears the sunglasses in here one time. Um, I forget his name, but he's not an Alabama fan. Um, and there was a list that somebody put out of all the people that have been pickers here and a number of them have ties to other schools. So I just found it kind of peculiar myself. And I put out a list of people that they could have, that they could have picked, uh, that, have ties to Alabama, either as fans or alums or former players like Henry's available. Derrick Henry, you know, uh, um, Jameer Gibbs, they played on, on Monday night and are on their bye week. So it just seems to me that there's a lot of other opportunities to get people who, um, all right, I can say this. I put out a list of some people they could have chosen. Uh, Lucas Black, Sheila Ward, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin says he's a Bama fan. Jason Isbell, Channing Tatum, Deontay Wilder, as I mentioned, former players. Uh, this is the 1973 uh, National Championship reunion. Matt Coulter suggested, why not Sylvester Croom, who was the first African-American head coach in the SEC, made history as a player, made history as a, as a coach. And so uh, what do you think of this guy? I was familiar with him. I, I, I enjoy stand-up comedy, so I've watched some of his specials on Netflix. Yeah, I've been told but, he's very funny. Um, yeah, he's great. He has nothing to do with LSU or Alabama. I know. And I think you're right, Gary. Game day has kind of stiffed us when it's come to guests whenever they're in town. I, mean, I feel that way, too. And I, and I just Joe feel like that. And, and um, you know, I know this is their second time here this year, which is kind of unusual. Maybe they were like, well, we already went there once, and we had Joe Namath. We need, you know, and I know Vanderbilt's probably never going to be on game day. So, uh, maybe, you know, uh, maybe they felt like this is an opportunity. But I, I don't know. I don't really understand it. But if you've got some thoughts on that. You can call us on the first domain contest hotline at 205-342-9904. And um, I was out yesterday, and, and as I said, Justin sat in for me. And it just feels weird. I don't take a many days off. And um, to be off yesterday and and um, be off from radio, I was also off. I took off from TV as well. So it was like I feel like I'm out of the loop now after after just one day off. But as I said, we're back in the saddle this morning, and we got a great show on tap. And uh, we're going to have some fun this morning. As far as my picks from last week... I um I have to I I was uh, Chuck uh who listens to the show texted me I think he said I went 3 and 2 I haven't even looked at him from last week yet so I'll go through that but we'll have our SEC point spread predictions coming up this morning as well so we are off and running on the show it's 10 minutes after 9 it is Friday November 3 2023 it's the TGIF edition we're going to have some fun we're going to play that great music to get you ready for the weekend we always have that uplifting weekend music just kind of gets us in the mood around here big big weekend on tap we're going to enjoy it with you this morning here on a Friday when we come back on the other side I see Corey's on the hotline ready to go so cory we'll get to you anybody else that wants to give us a call 205-342-9904 the number to the first and main condos hotline love to hear what you think about the game tomorrow love to hear your score predictions between alabama and lsu you're welcome to call in and uh, give them to us as well so we're going to take our first break and we'll come back with a phone call and at 9 30 adam amin from fox sports 10 o'clock, Gary Stoken, president of the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And at 10.30, Brett Pritchard with the Auburn Report. So we'll be back after this break right here on the Gary Harris Show on Todd 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. As we get set for Saturday's matchup with LSU, here are some final thoughts from Alabama head coach Nick Saban. You know, most important thing I think in this game is, you know, great practice habits, uh, technically Work on the things that you need to do to go execute. You know you're going to play against a good player. They have a lot of good players. Need to know exactly what to do, how to do it, why it's important to do it that way. So when it comes to the game, you're not really thinking about it. You can do it automatically. Um, and, you know, that takes great preparation uh, and focus. 
Uh, and that's what's going to help you have success in the game. And that's what guys have to stay focused on. You know, you can't worry about what anybody else says or thinks or does. you got to worry about what you got to do. I'll have more in a moment. Founded in Haleyville in 1965, Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers has been family-owned and operated in Alabama for over 58 years. Like their famous signature dipping sauce, Guthrie's has been imitated but never duplicated. Using the family's original southern fried chicken recipe, Guthrie's is still serving the best chicken fingers in the world. Just like you like them, fresh, hot, and fast. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. We've got you covered for Crimson Tide football against LSU on Saturday. Our radio coverage across the network will begin at 3.30 p.m., leading you up right to kickoff at 6.45. For a full listing of our radio affiliates, head to RollTide.com. You can also listen on the Varsity Network app and watch the Royal Furniture Booth Cam on Facebook and YouTube. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Guthrie's. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Dry weather continues today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 67. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low 41. And for tomorrow and Sunday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow 72, the high Sunday at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide It's all right for fighting, and uh, I have checked my picks, and Chuck is right. Three and two last week, so I've strung together some winning weeks here. I had uh, South Carolina plus the 15 and a half against A&M. That was a winner. They lost by thir- uh, 13. I had Florida plus the 14 and a half against Georgia, loser. I had Auburn minus six and a half against Mississippi State, winner. <clears throat> I had Tennessee minus three and a half against Kentucky, winner. And I had Vandy plus 24 and a half and they, against Ole Miss, and they came oh so close. They lost by 26. So three and two was uh, the, um, was the, um, count last week. So we'll get to point spread predictions later on in the show. Right now, we're going to get on the hotline. We got Corey and Tom. Corey's going to lead us off this morning. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Gary. How are you this morning? Doing great. You know, uh, when I look at this game here uh, for Saturday, this is going to be a test to see which defense can get off the field because both teams are good at converting third downs, and LSU leads the nation in third down conversion. And Jane Daniels is going to have a lot to say about that. And uh, we're going to have to be very disciplined in our rush lanes and Stopping him and now I know you're not going to shut him down completely, but if you can limit him from extending drives and and <clears throat> making them not make explosive plays, I think that's going to be a go a long ways in deciding this game because you can't let him just run all over us and like it like he did last year. Agreed. I mean that's going to be the whole key to the game. Uh, Corey, you're right. I mean you're going to have to contain Jaden Daniels. Uh, 
I mean, he's going to make plays. I mean, he's just too good. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate for a reason, and he's going to make some plays in the passing game. And I think that uh, it's it's all about limiting those plays, not giving up the big chunk plays, um, you know, making him work for everything, you know, tackling those receivers once they catch the ball, not letting them get a lot of yards after catch. And in his case, you know, it's, it's, it's defend the pass first because he can really, he can step back there and pick you apart. And then if he does decide to run, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta tackle him. I mean, can't let him get out there in the open field because if he gets out there in the open field, He's uh he's dangerous as we saw last year. So yeah, it's 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 a big chore for Alabama's defense. Good news is it's Alabama defense is solid. They're good, and uh, you know they they have a much better defense than what LSU has. But you know LSU has a better offense. So it's going to be uh you know a matchup to see if Alabama's offense can generate enough points, and to see if um you know Alabama's defense can can limit uh, LSU's offense. And if they can do that, I think they'll win the game. And I've got them winning the game in a in a in a High scoring affair, thirty eight thirty one. However, forty two thirty one. Um I think it'll be close in the first half and I think Alabama pulls away later in the game. Cause I think we can take advantage of their defense. Um I think Jane Daniels will turn the ball over a couple of times. And we can if we get if we do that and convert into touchdowns, not field goals, because I do think field goals are not gonna cut it in this game. I mean, as great as Will Reichard is, you can't just you can't rely on field goals to win this game because LSU's offense is too good to to not just keep selling for field goals. I mean, that, that that's where I think you're going to have to take some chances if you get far enough downfield. And um, I think that um, running the ball is going to be key because. Um, if you if you run the ball and set the pass, that'll really help. And I don't know how you're supposed to block Harold Perkins, but that's the one thing that scares me more than anything is Harold Perkins off the edge because he tore us up last year, and our offensive line was much better last year. And you wonder, does he become unblockable in the game? Well, we you know, he's a good player, and they moved him around some. But I'm telling you, he got blocked a lot early in the season. I mean, let's, let's don't make it like he's been, you know, dominant all year. He he, he didn't do much early in, in the season. And I agree with you. I think he's a really good player. I'm not trying to disparage the guy. At the same time, um, you know, um, he, you know, it's like it's not like he's wrecked everybody. Like I said, they, you know, they've had a couple of good defensive games against bad teams here lately. But this is a defense that's gotten that's gotten lit up at, at by at times this season. So um, I'm with you there. You got to account for him and, and all of that. But again, let's not make this LSU defense into uh, you know a juggernaut because it hasn't been. Well, no, you're right. The secondary's been shredded to pieces. I get that. But well, I'm saying he's been good this year. He's been he's been better lately. But early in the year, he didn't do a lot. Uh, they 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 didn't do you know do much. So uh, I mean, I'm I'm I think he's a really good player. I, I do. I'm, but I don't. You know, I don't think this 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 um, narrative out there that he's unblockable. I don't think that's the case. You know, he's not but 220 pounds. Um, you know, maybe you run right at him. You know, maybe you just maybe you just line up and and let this you know this massive offensive line just just come off the ball and 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 fire off at him. So yeah, I think you definitely he's a playmaker. I understand that, but um, Alabama's offense should be able to have some success against this defense. Do Do you remember what Florida State or Ole Miss did to have success against them? Because I know it's their only two losses, but like 
Was it more of just running the ball and, and taking? I think it's a combination of both. I just think LSU's defense gave up plays. You know, they also gave up thirty-eight to Missouri. You know, they won the game, but they gave up a lot of points. Um, you know, so and and like I said, the last couple of opponents that they had have not been what you would call you know juggernaut uh, opponents by any. Let me pull up their pull up their their schedule here. So you know, they gave up forty-five to Florida State. Of course, they only gave up ten to Grambling. <clears throat> they gave up um, just fourteen to Mississippi State, but they gave up thirty-one to Arkansas, fifty-five to Ole Miss, thirty-nine, not thirty-eight, thirty-nine to Missouri. They held Auburn to eighteen. They held Army to nothing, and and uh, now they're playing. So that shutout against Army really helped their defensive numbers. But outside of that, they have you know they've been susceptible to giving up points. So Alabama should be able to move the ball on this team. I agree. It's just can the offensive line hold up when they need to, and uh, that'll be the key. Because if you can do that, you can you can really have success against their secondary. You said you got a forty-one thirty-one. 42-31. All right, Corey, I got a 38-31, so we're about on the same page. So I got to get some more phone calls in, man, but good analysis. And uh, you're right. They got a black Harold Perkins. I agree with you there, but I, I I think they can. So we'll see. Yeah, good to talk to you, Gary. Roll good to talk to you, Corey. All right, let's uh, keep it going, and let's get to Tom, and then we'll get to Lewis. Good morning, Tom. Tom, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. That was on me. Tom, I dropped you by mistake. Call right back in. Let's get to Lewis. That is my mistake. Good morning, uh, Lewis. How are you? Hey, Gary. Doing good. I like your list of potential guest pickers. I like that. I got to tell you something, uh, a little quick story. I'm at the Sugar Bowl uh, at the end of the 77 season when we, when Alabama pounded Ohio State into submission. And I'm walking along behind this great big guy. He was a former Bama player that was in the pros at the time and he was walking along with his lady, you know, and I happened to glance up and look at and see her, you know, and I'm like, that's one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life, man. <laughs> and I, you know, I was, didn't stalk him or anything, but it was Sell Award. It turned out to be Sell Award. And she was something, man. A former cheerleader. Uh, that she would be a great choice, man. She yeah, that'd be, it'd be great if they could get her. You know, she dated Bob Baumhauer when she was in college. That's who it was. <laughs> Gary, that's who it was. Yeah, okay. Who she was with. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, there you, there you, there you, there you go. But yeah, listen again, this, I, I'm not, just because I'm not familiar with the guy doesn't mean he's not an inter, good entertainer. I've had a lot of people tell me that he's hilarious and I understand that. And that's not my point. My point is, you know, you're coming to Tuscaloosa, you're coming to the University of Alabama. And, uh, I think uh, Tom's calling back in, uh, Justin, but you know, and I understand you were here once before and you had Joe Namath, but they'd had Joe Namath before. I just think if you go back yeah. through the times that Alabama has hosted game day, there's been a lot of times they've hosted, um, people that really didn't have any ties to Alabama or weren't Alabama fans. And right. it's just, um, you know, it's just kind of un- unusual to me, but, uh, but we will see. Yeah. Gary, I got one other thing real quick. Um, I love your SEC, uh, point spread picks, uh, you know, that you do at the end of the show, usually on Friday. Uh, and, you know, I'll look at the uh, point spreads and, and uh, uh, over-unders and so forth. Now, I don't put any money on it because I had a best friend that had to work a second job to pay off gambling debt. That oh, got yeah. my attention. So I do it for fun. But just, just, just for fun, I'd like your opinion real quick. The 49-and-a-half on the Auburn and uh, – uh, uh, bandy game, boy, that looks inviting. I, 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 
that's a lot of points for that game. What, well, what uh, it is because uh, you're talking about the over-under, obviously. It's, uh, yes, I'm talking over-under. Yeah, yes. it, it, you know, I, I'm with you. I, 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 it just does because Auburn doesn't score a ton of points and, and Vanderbilt hasn't scored a ton of points. I mean, Auburn could win the game. Let's say if Auburn even got to 30, you know, they could win 30 to 17 and cover the spread and still not get to the under-over. So, it, that yeah, if I, I'm with you. I do it for entertainment purposes only, and I only do the lines. I don't do the over-unders, but I know a lot of people who are serious gamblers, boy, they they swear by the over-unders. Yeah, I, I would like the over 61-and-a-half over on that one on Bama LSU. But, hey, uh, Gary, if I went to Vegas and bet those, I'd lose both of them, man. So it's just for fun. I love your show, man. Roll Tide. we got to get them tomorrow, man. Thank you, Lewis. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Let's get to Philip real quick. And, uh, Tom, I'm sorry I cut you off, but hopefully you can call in later in the show. Let's get to uh, Philip. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Gary. I'm with you on this guest picking stuff. I just don't understand of all, of all the of all the people they could have tried to have gotten for this game. They they get that guy. I don't even know who he is. Well, he's a comedian, and uh, he uh, Justin is familiar with him. Said he had, he hosted some Netflix specials, and did he host Saturday Night Live? Justin or was just a guest on there. Yeah, last Saturday he was the host. Oh, he did host it. Now. So yeah, if he's hosting Saturday Night Live, that means he's he's made it. Pretty big, but I'm yeah. like you, Philip. I, I was not familiar with him, so I guess I, I guess I need to get dialed into this new century. I'm well, sorry. I guess the thing but, I noticed uh, you took you know notice of it. He said you know he said he was a anchor down. He was a Vanderbilt fan and going to represent Vanderbilt. Well, I'm like, and I understand Vanderbilt doesn't have many opportunities to be on College Game Day, but I'm like, well, you know, at least keep your your Vanderbilt fandom to yourself. I don't know. I guess it'll be funny. So uh, yeah. we'll find out. Well, I guess the big thing uh, as far as you know, the weather and all tomorrow night is going to be clear, cold, a little cool. Not, not that cold, but yeah, not that cold. Good football no, weather. No wind, no wind, which is going to help in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good. There shouldn't be an issue there. I, I, my bad vibe. I've just got a bad vibe that, like, sort of like what you said about Harold Perkins, is that let's get rid of the notion that he's unblockable. I'm also sort of looking at that through the other spectrum too. I think Alabama's defense has improved, but you, you can a team can move the ball on Alabama. A sure. team can do it. Sure. I just think I think LSU's offense all the way around is better than Tennessee's. I don't think the defense is nearly as good as Tennessee's, but I think I, I think LSU's gonna you know out of the twelve or so times they get the ball during the game, I think they're going to be able to score enough touchdowns to win the game. I'm going with LSU, thirty eight to thirty four. Wow, Philip. Yeah, Phillip. I don't have that. I don't have that great of a feeling about the game. I wish I did because I don't like LSU, but I I just feel like they're going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities maybe one more time. Than Alabama can. All right. Well, appreciate the score prediction, Philip. Have a great weekend, man. Yeah. Be careful, man. Thank you. All right. Nine twenty-eight. We're going to get to the break, and uh, this hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll come back with Adam Amin from Fox Sports. Jump out on some national sports with the great play-by-play broadcaster next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Built to win. Built for championships. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. 
Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Our coverage begins at 3.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Tree has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Where the season never ends. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Saturday in the park, you know that uh, we're going to visit with Adam Amin from Fox Sports. And uh, Adam, uh, one of the best in the business, as we uh, talk about here often and love having him on for his perspective on the national scene. And uh, he is going to be on the call of uh, Packers and Rams on Sunday with Daryl Johnston and Pam Oliver on Fox and uh, with us right now to break down NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA and more. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Doing well, my friend. How are you? Great to have you. We're going to get into some NFL and NBA in a moment, but let's begin with the World Series. Of course, my perspective may be different here in Alabama, uh, and I have not seen the ratings. You may have, uh, but here, this is probably the least um, viewed World Series, and not necessarily viewed, but just I don't know that I got a single call on it the entire time with uh, Arizona and Texas. Texas wins it in five games, and it just... Uh, just didn't seem like it was a World Series in these parts. I, you know, they didn't have the marquee teams in there, but it was uh, the two teams that earned their way there. I don't want to take anything away from them, but uh, you know, around the nation, what's been the perspective on this World Series uh, as opposed maybe to just right here in Alabama? Yeah, I, I think that when you get a team like Arizona that doesn't have a lot of national pull, when you get the Rangers that have more regional pull, you know, it, it's it's hard to generate as much viewing interest because it's not something that you know, most casual fans are going to be interested in. And, you know, the one thing is the ratings conversation, Gary, I think is, is got to be framed properly because we're getting into this thing where, well, baseball is dying as a sport. I don't necessarily think that's true either. You know, though the revenue is still high. 
pitch clock and the rule changes I thought were great for Me the too. game this year. And I think fans fans responded positively. You and I both enjoyed them. Uh, fans are still going to games in, in droves. Like, that that hasn't been a problem at all. But television habits are changing. They always they have been evolving for the last, you know, 15 years, basically. And when you have so many options, so many different things that you can watch, people are just going to migrate away from it. The NFL is the only thing on this planet right now, or, or certainly in this country, that is essentially bulletproof when it comes to ratings. It's just the one thing that we have that everybody cares about for the most part. So that doesn't lose any steam. And everybody else is just fighting for eyeballs. The NBA is doing that right now. The NBA is doing that with what they're doing tonight. You know, they're starting the in-season tournament tonight. The reasoning for that is because they're trying to draw up interest in November and December when, for the most part, people don't have as much investment in it. They wait until Christmas. Heck, when I was younger or and, and not as dialed in on the NBA, I would have waited till Christmas to really starting you know, really start to deep dive into it or, or really start to pay more attention to it. That's just the nature of what the schedule is when football is kind of at the center is football is the centerpiece of it. So, you know, I, I think I think the habits are, are ever evolving and then you add in the idea that, well, it's not the Yankees, it's not the Red Sox, it's not the Dodgers, it's not the Cubs. It's two teams that have more regional interest than anything else. So naturally the ratings are going to be lower and, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So to frame it this way, you know, to, to say, well, baseball is struggling. It's like, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah. The matchup's not great for television ratings when you think about the national perspective of it, but like this has been happening for the better part sure. of 20 years now, you know, the other than, you know, when you get the Cubs trying to win their first World Series in 108 years and it's the third biggest market in the country, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not really going to get a whole lot of interest. And by the way, the Dodgers are still a pretty provincial team and the Yankees have not been competitive. They haven't been in a World Series in quite some time. You're right. I mean, we just didn't get the teams that would have spiked the ratings. Uh, no Yankees, no Dodgers, you know, Braves, Phillies, Cubs, all of those teams. Uh as far as the World Series itself, I did try to follow it, obviously, in my job, and I, I thought it was a little underwhelming, uh, although I have to say, Bruce yeah. Bochy, we already knew uh, that he was a terrific manager, but to, to go into to Arlington and to bring them their first world championship, I thought that was a huge storyline, and, and from what I saw, just, you know, Texas was just a better club. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I thought, I thought the Bochy thing was great, you know, to have to see how he was able to manage just coming out of retirement and, and be embraced as much as he was uh, to see, you know, to, again, Texas is a great story. It's their first World Series of franchise history. It's a big deal. And they dominated for the most part of the series. Yeah, it didn't go seven. You know, that's obviously another thing. Like, this, a lot of the, the series, you know, we had Houston, we, we had the NLCS and the ALCS both go seven, and those were great. Mm-hmm. But after that, like outside of that, most of the series weren't all that competitive. So, including the World Series, so I think that that had a little bit of uh, of, it, of to do with it as well. Just the lack of overall general interest with the, I guess, lack of long series overall that we had. Let's move on to the NFL and and uh, your game and uh, what you're looking for on Sunday. Yeah, Rams, Packers. I mean, these are two of the three youngest teams in the NFL right now. They look like it. You know, they're they're both kind of limping into this uh, into this game. They're a combined five and ten. So, now this isn't exactly the the sexiest matchup in terms of 
uh, you know, two teams with winning records, but that's fine. Uh, I'm, I, I think the key is right now that these are two teams that are, are essentially, I don't want to go as far as to call this an elimination game, but it does feel like one of those games where, like, if all of a sudden the Rams are three and six or the Packers are two and six walking out of here, you're probably, you're probably out of the race at this point. So it does have a significant value to it because of that. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see who the quarterback is on Sunday. I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. We've talked to uh, the Rams already. You know, Matthew Stafford's still nursing this thumb injury that he hurt against the Cowboys last week. And, you know, he might end up, you know, having to sit out for uh, for a game at this point. They got the bye week coming up next week through the Rams. So, you know, they might they might end up sitting him. I'll, I'll be curious if he doesn't play. If he doesn't play, we'll get Brett Rippon who's made three starts in the NFL. Jordan loves the starter for the Packers. Uh, I went back and did some research on this just in case we, we end up with that matchup. That'd be the third time that those two square off because they squared off in 17 and 18 when they were both in the Mountain West together. So at least you get some kind of connectivity here. But yeah, two young teams desperate for a win. They're both kind of limping in. You know, Packers have, have dominated uh, the last few years ever since Matt LaFleur took over as head coach. The other thing we have is just the storyline. Now you look for emotional connectivity. You got the Lafleur blo- the, the Lafleur brothers going up against each other. You know Matt's the play caller for the Packers. His brother Mike is the offensive coordinator, not the play caller, but the OC for the Rams. Uh, McVay and Lafleur are two really, really close friends. They used to work together with the Washington uh, Commanders back, back uh, 15 years ago, 13 years ago. Uh, they were working together. They've been really close friends. Matt was uh, Sean's OC in 2017 so there's a lot of fun stuff to be able to latch on to and, and we'll kind of focus in on that stuff this weekend last night uh, we had uh, i was interested in the matchup but it, uh, it it went about like i thought it would two kind of blue collar teams but pittsburgh and uh, to get to five and three with that offense i i just think it speaks to mike tomlin and the culture that they have they they win more games where you look at it and you say how they win <laughs> you know and what last night was you know another one kind of in that vein they didn't do a lot but they did enough Oh, they've done that the last few weeks. We had them a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles. It was the same deal. They were kind of inept in the first half and then were able to make adjustments. They did that against Jacksonville last week where they scored, I think, three points before halftime and ended up winning that game. And then you, you see what they did this week, uh, last night against Tennessee in a kind of grinded out game. Uh, their defense keeps them in games. TJ Watts, arguably the best defense player in the league right now. You know, he and Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett, you know, there, there's a small list, short list of guys that just are game wreckers in the fashion that they are right now, and he's one of them. I mean, he's as good as it gets right now. So T.J. Watt changes the game. Uh, I thought Will Levis played well I for too. Tennessee. I thought I was impressed. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's shown up very impressively the first two two games he's been out there. Uh, I, I really got a lot of respect for how he's handled everything, and he's handled the media well and all that stuff, too. He's, he's done a great job. And, you know, when you – when you look at Tennessee, they're continuing to struggle right now. Their offense just isn't it. Even with Levis in there, you know, their running game just doesn't feel like it's the same. I don't know if Derrick Henry is, you know, taking a, you know, too much of a pounding at times. And, you know, he is as viable of an option at running back as anybody, but he's, he hasn't really had the typical run that we're, we're used to seeing so far. Uh, I still like what he's able to do in the backfield, but I'm, I'm impressed with Pittsburgh, man. You're right. It has a lot to do with Mike Tomlin. 
has a lot to do with how they make adjustments. I think Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, doesn't get nearly enough credit for uh, how well that defense has played and for the scheme that he's come up with. And, and listen, Matt Canada has done some better things the last couple of weeks after the bye. That was the case last year, too. Like, they're not a dynamic offensive team yet. They've got a lot of good pieces. Uh, they, they've got a, a quarterback that you can start to see, you know, developing in front of your eyes. But overall, they're not a, an overwhelming offensive team. I think Matt Canada has done a nice job making some adjustments the last two weeks and, and, and trying to settle things down on the offensive end. They did that again last week. Adam, do you think Levis has done enough to earn that starting uh, quarterback job even when Tannehill's ready to go? Tough to tell. I, I think he has. I, it's tough to tell if, if they'll they'll make the switch. I think he's earned enough. Uh, I think he's earned his way. Listen, he spent a, a second-round pick, an early, early second-round pick on the guy. It's not as if you didn't have some kind of lean that you, know, you would like this guy to be your starting quarterback eventually. So... Uh, I think he's done enough to handle uh, ha- handle the starting duties for the time being, and if and if he continues to play well, why wouldn't you want to have him in there? Ryan Tannehill is is a good quarterback. He's not the dynamic quarterback that maybe Tennessee needs to get them out of this hole, but you know maybe Will isn't either. You know their defense isn't as good as it was. You know they traded Kevin Byard, one of the best safeties in the league, to Philadelphia. So you know it's not all on the offensive side where. They've uh, they, they've tried to figure things out, but I I think he's done enough to earn the job, and uh, I would like to see him kind of start to develop and step into that role. Adam Amin from Fox Sports uh, with us. He's on the call for the Rams and the Packers Sunday at noon on Fox. Miami and Kansas City um, Sunday morning over in in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, the Chiefs got stunned by the the Broncos last week, and the Dolphins. Uh, the you know this is another kind of litmus test. Yeah, you run over the your bully against the the bad teams, but when you play the good teams, you know you lost to Buffalo, you lost to Philadelphia. Now you get the Chiefs. So uh, early morning matchup there that will have a ton of interest, and I'm interested myself just to see how the Dolphins uh, will play in in one of these games against another big time team. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't see their offense show up against Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, I know Mike McDaniel was was frustrated by that. And I, I listen, Denver is a a, a tough nosed group at the very least, and they've got a scheme that makes it tough on you. And they finally were able to get off, uh, you know, get off that losing streak against Kansas City. Chiefs aren't the same offensive team that we're used to seeing. They're just not. You know, they don't have that second receiver, that second option that you really, really feel comfortable with. Uh, for Patrick Mahomes to lean on. And when you don't have as many options, you can do a little bit more in terms of trying to take away Travis Kelsey or or focus your efforts elsewhere because there's just not the, the field just isn't spread the way you, you normally expect Kansas City to be able to operate offensively when the field's a little bit further spread. They they haven't really had, you know, outside of that Bears game where they just, you know, absolutely dominated, hasn't been a lot of times where you look at the Kansas City offense and go, oh, wow, I can't believe they did that again. Like, there there's, there haven't been that many games like that this year. There haven't been that that many moments like that this year for the Chiefs offense. And, and again, a lot of that just has to do with, I, I think, the, the lack of options. You know, it, you don't need a superstar necessarily to be next to Travis Kelsey. You need good a good, viable offensive option. Now, they scored 31 against the Chargers, but they, they've only scored 27 points in two games against Denver, or 28 points. You know, they, they put up 27 against Minnesota. They only scored 23 against the Jets, which, by the way, these are all above average NFL numbers. NFL average is 22 points a game. So, you know, they're, they're, it's not as if they're putting up bad offensive games. It's just not the flashes of, of consistent offense that we're used to seeing from them. So, 
I think that has a lot to do with it, but they're still scraping by. It's only their second loss. It was a divisional game. It was on the road. You know, I still think they're they're one of the two best teams in the NFL right now. Mahomes is Mahomes. You're not gonna you know, you're not gonna keep him down forever and they've got the bye week coming up after this game, so they'll have an opportunity to regroup. I still feel like they're gonna be fine and listen, the Dolphins are 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 trying to put up big numbers. You know, they they have the ability to do that every single week. But they haven't done that every game out either. They only scored seventeen against Philly like we talked about. They scored you know, they had a better game last week against New England. They've beaten up on the bad teams. I think this is great to see them get another test, like you talked about, Gary. They struggled against Buffalo. They struggled against Philadelphia. Let's see what happens against Kansas City because these are the prove-it games. You know, it's one thing to beat up on the Giants and the Panthers and the Broncos and the Chargers, but, you know, let's let's see how they do against one of the big boys now again. And for Tyreek Hill, he's always motivated uh... – because he's so good, I think when you're that fast, yeah. I mean, you're always motivated to make plays. But I'm sure he'll have a little extra giddy-up taking on the Chiefs, wanting to, again, prove. Because, uh, you know, it just came down to money, he said, for him. And, and, and of course, he's got some family ties there to South Florida. But I'm sure this will be a special uh, game for him on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're going to have to concentrate a lot of your efforts on stopping him. He is still the most, you know, probably the most dynamic receiver in the game right now and as fast as anybody you're going to find on, on a field somewhere. So if you can protect, if you can handle Chris Jones up front, you know, give to a tongue of my law time uh, behind that offensive line to, to let things develop downfield, they're going to be fine. All right. Uh, trade deadline came and went. Uh, what caught your eye? I guess the thing that stood out to me was the commanders trading both their edge pass rushers. And I don't, I don't know if you call that throwing in the towel on the season, but uh, that caught my my uh, eye and of course your bears got one of those guys in sweat so those uh storylines and what else uh from the tra- trade deadline that uh that grabbed you yeah that was the, that was probably the biggest thing was uh was washington giving away chase young and or uh, uh yeah chase young and, and montez sweat so young goes to san francisco that that bolsters their front in a big 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 way and you know the bears needed montez sweat you know that that the, the Bears' biggest problem, or one of their biggest problems in a, in a season full of them, I guess, one of those issues was the lack of pass rush. They were one of the worst pass rush teams in the NFL last year, and they didn't really address that the way they needed to. You know, they got Demarcus Walker, but that's a guy who's probably a little past his prime at this point. You know, they, they've tried to expand their front a little bit. It just hasn't been the case. So you know, now they got a guy who led the commanders in pressures, I think he had 19 of them this year. The Bears as a team at 33. I think Sweat had six and a half sacks. I think the Bears combined had six and a half sacks. So it was a necessary move. And then for San Francisco, a team that really believes it's good enough to win the Super Bowl, and I would tend to agree, their defense is still their hallmark. You know, as much as we've talked about Brock Purdy and as you know efficiently as he's played for the most part in his young NFL career so far, and as much as we discussed the Christian McCaffrey streak, and rightfully so, he's one of the best offense players in the game. But their defense has been their hallmark the last few years, you know, to make these deep playoff runs. And to expand on that, to add Chase Young, who's as, you know, I, I think shifty of a defender up front as there is. Like he's got a great arsenal of moves to get to the quarterback. He's strong. He, he can bull rush. And now you have to worry about him and his old, college teammate out there and, and Nick Bosa, you know, though that's as scary of an edge combination as we have in the league right now. You know, Pittsburgh's got a great one. 
you know, with Highsmith and, and, and T.J. Watt. Philadelphia's got a great offensive line. I, I think this this might be right up there with, with some of the best duos in the, in the league right now. So that's only going to make things harder for contending offenses. San Francisco's got, you know, some key games coming up. they got to play Seattle. You know, the Seattle was at the top of the division going into action this week. So I, I, I really like the moves. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm with you, Gary. I was a little surprised that Washington was willing to part, but they did need some draft capital. And, you know, we had them early in the year. They got off to that 2-0 start. They've just been, you know, for the most part, dreadful since. They've lost 5-6. to six. So I, I guess I don't know if it's throwing in the towel, but I also know that that ownership group wants to build for the future. They want to make the right moves to be a, a viable competitor starting now. And maybe these are the first couple moves to try to step them in the right direction for that for that next phase. All right, just a couple more questions on the NFL. I'm going to save uh, Cowboys and Eagles for the end. But uh, the Raiders uh, at midnight firing the GM, firing, firing Josh McDaniels after talking about dreadful performance. They had one against the Lions on Monday night, and it just didn't like it was working. But unfortunately for the Raiders, they're in Vegas, but that organization right now just seems to be a mess, Adam. Yeah, I think it was time. It was, it was time, and, and it seems like they, they made a good move for – you know, to, to, to pick the right guy. You know, I thought Antonio Pierce has done a lot of good things in his young coaching career. He's had NFL experience. He's had college experience. And obviously he's got, you know, the, the, the room behind him already. You know, he grew up a Raider fan in Los Angeles. And that certainly uh, got, you know, the, it seemed like they got the, the, it got the locker room revved up. And, and when the, the guys aren't buying into what they're hearing from coaches and front office, of course, they're not really going to be as motivated. You know, it's, it's it's a good move, I think. It was probably the right move at the right time. Where are they going to be, you know, going forward? Who knows the rest of this year? The quarterback situation's been in flux. They're going to go with Aiden O'Connell now uh, with, with, with Garoppolo benched and, you know, some of the injuries that they've had this year. So it's not an easy spot to be in, but I, I think it was the right time. It's a, it's a it's it's the right move. I'm excited for Pierce. I, I like the move there. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm rooting for him. I, I think it's a, an organization that deserves better than what they've had and certainly a player like Devontae Adams who's been very vocal about things he deserves better than what he's been getting in, in Vegas so I, I wish him the best I think that's the that's an organization that you want to have be a you know be competitive they're like they're 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 not the Knicks of the NFL but like you know how we always talk about when the Knicks are good mm-hmm. the league is good I kind of feel like that for the Raiders when the Raiders are good they're competitive I feel like that's just better for the league they are the Raiders. All right, uh, Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Cowboys have been making some noise lately, but uh, again, we talked about litmus test. This is one for Dallas going into going into Philly. Yeah, I mean, listen, they they got off to such a good start last week against Los Angeles, and and they're going to try to pick that same momentum up from from what we saw a week ago. They they can hum. You know, they're a better team than than uh, I think people wanted to give him credit for early. You know, nobody's out. For whatever reason, people just aren't sold on Dak, and that's fine. He's, he's had a lot of failures uh, when expectations have been high, but it's also the Cowboys. The expectations are always high. So I think he's responded well to it. Uh, I think their defense has played very, very well. Uh, they, they've been probably the, the key piece to this, and obviously when you have Parsons over there, that's uh, as important as anybody. They're a ball-hawking team, and that's what Philadelphia has to avoid. They have to avoid extra possessions for Dallas. Dallas is really good at special teams. They're really good on defense and they create more opportunities for Dak. And the more chances you give Dak, you know, he's going to make some mistakes, but the more chances you give him, he's also going to cash in a lot. 
and they've got the pieces necessary to, to get, you know, quick strikes. Uh, I think that's what we saw last week against Los Angeles, and that's what we've seen against a couple teams this year. The bad teams certainly have uh, have dealt with the quick strike Dallas offense. So if Philadelphia can limit mistakes the way they have for the most part this year, then they're going to be fine. I, I love the Eagles. I, I still think they're the, the best team in the NFC. But this is one of those games where you kind of circle on your calendar when you get a few weeks in and go, oh, this might be something. And this certainly is right now. This is a key game. This is going to depend, you know, help uh, determine seeding. This this could be for a potential number one seed uh, down the line this season, where you get you know the the, the wild card round out, uh, wild card round off. So a huge game, and uh, I'm excited. We're going to lead right into it on Sunday. All right, Adam, the NBA only left a minute total. So let me just ask you, point out, uh, point blank, is uh, Harden with the Clippers, is it going to work? I think it'll be fine. I don't know if it's going to work enough to get him a championship, but I think it's going to work. They, they'll figure some things out, and Harden is an, an adjustable and, and malleable, flexible player. So I think they'll be okay, and I think they'll be competitive. I, I don't know if it's enough to win a championship, but I do think it's enough to, to make them much more competitive and and to, to force teams to have to deal with a lot of options on the offensive end. They want to spread the floor. They want to drive. They want to get shots for Kawhi and, and Paul George near the rim and in mid-range, and they want Westbrook to drive, and they want James Harden to be able to facilitate. I think they have all the pieces necessary to be a competitive team. They could have used him the other night. They lost the Lakers for the first time in, yeah. in, after winning 12 in a row. And Wimbayama last night, he did look like what, yep. uh, a generational talent. I mean, he put on a show against uh, against the Suns. So I, I guess because uh, I've been watching him thinking, well, you know, he's 7-4, but is he really all that? Well, last night he was all that. He, he was just awesome. Like, I, <laughs> I really loved – I really love just his style. I mean, it, he's got such great handles. He's he's truly one of one. You know, Durant said so as well last night. You know, we kind of look at Durant as one of one. Uh, I think Wembenyama is exactly that. And we knew that going in. But to see it formulate the way it has for a handful of games and to really see it come to fruition on our national stage last night and to see all the way, different ways that he can score and, and his, his handle ability at his size and, you know, obviously what he can do on the glass as well. I'm I'm just really impressed. You know, I, I think he's handled everything really, really well. He's an emotional player in a good way. He gets along with guys. Guys already have a, a significant amount of respect for him. He constantly moves without the basketball. I just I really enjoy watching this guy play already. Adam, great stuff, man. I appreciate you. Enjoy the call, uh, Packers and Rams. I didn't. I let you kind of take that game because it's a marquee matchup in terms of uh, the names, but uh, the seasons yeah. have not gone great. But I know you guys will enjoy it and make it interesting. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, it is uh, nine fifty-six. We'll go ahead and take a break and come back and wrap up this first hour really quick. We'll do that uh, right after this. Stay with us. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us on Monday as we bring Kennington Smith III into the conversation. We'll talk good, bad, ugly as we review the Alabama versus LSU game. We'll look at the turning point in the game. We'll also preview Kentucky as Alabama hits the road heading to Lexington next Saturday. That's the Martin Houston Show powered by Max Sports. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Patterson Comer. You're listening to the Gary Harris Show.
Shapiro will get us out of here. The first hour getaway song, as always, Friday. I'm in love. It's Friday. It's the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. I want to thank Alabama Credit Union for bringing you this first hour. I want to thank Adam Amin from Fox Sports. Hour number two is coming up right on the other side of the break, and we're going to kick it off with Gary Stoken, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Of course, always a big player in college football, and he'll talk uh, about their game, uh, the college football playoff rankings and more with Gary Stoken plus the Auburn Report Brett Pritchard at 1030 our Bama football trivia giveaway and SEC point spread predictions all coming up in the second hour stay with us right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. As the NBA prepares for its first ever in-season tournament, which tips off tonight, ESPN is reporting that coaches are also being incentivized by getting paid for reaching the final stages of the event. Thursday night in the NBA, rookie sensation Victor Wembanyama was unstoppable. Outside right now to Wembanyama, 10 to shoot. Wembanyama straight away, three over Eubanks. That's a Wemby 36 points for Victor Wembanyama. Spurs Radio Network on the call. He ended with a season high. 38 points and 10 rebounds as the Spurs beat the Suns for the second time in three nights, 132 to 121. The 76ers cruised past the Raptors, 114 to 99. Joel Embiid finished with 28 points and 13 rebounds. Thursday night football saw the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans, 20 to 16. The Steelers improved to five and three for the season. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. This TGIF edition for Friday, November 3, 2023 rolls on. This hour being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. More on them coming up in a moment. But we're going to jump right out on the First of Mankindos hotline and welcome in friend of the show, Gary Stoken, President and CEO of the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Love talking college football with Gary. And, of course, uh, bowl season, college football playoff, it's uh, closing in fast. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Gary, great to be with you again. How you doing? Great, man. Always good to have you. And and we got a big game tomorrow night, to say the least, with Alabama and LSU. And and both of these teams, of course, particularly Alabama with just one loss, still gearing toward uh, uh, trying to earn a spot into the college football playoff. But uh, both these teams could wind up being uh, participants potentially in the Chick-fil-A Bowl in Atlanta, too. Yeah, we're, we're very blessed this year. Um, you know, obviously being a part of the New Year's Six, Guarantees you top 12 teams. Uh, last year, we were blessed to have number one versus four and have the great game we had with Georgia and Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, Alabama and LSU are both in the mix. And certainly at this time of the year, the teams that you've lost to, you become their biggest fan because you want them to keep winning. So if you keep winning, uh, it only helps your resume. So um, I think that's where it's most interesting with this 14 playoff and probably will be even more so next year as we move into a 12-team play. Oh, no doubt about it. I'm going to get your thoughts on that in just a moment. Uh, I know you're usually at a game on, on Saturday. Any chance you're coming over to Tuscaloosa uh, tomorrow night for this one? 
You know, I came to the uh, Texas game earlier this year and uh, was thinking about coming over, but, you know, I'm going to sit this one out this weekend. Uh, we've been traveling a lot, so I'm going to watch them all on TV, which, you know, it's great to be at a game, but the real nice thing is to be able to sit at home and watch all these great games yeah. on TV. I I hear you. You're right. That's the best seat in the house. You can track you can track them all. Uh, college football playoff initial rankings came out uh, Tuesday night. Uh, just your thoughts on on not just the top four, but um, the, you know the rankings through you know the six, eight, ten or so. What what did you see? And uh, did you for the most part? Well, agree? you know, having sat in Gaylord uh, in that room with the computers in front of me and being a part of a mock draft uh, for a. Uh, the, the CFB, it's a unique experience. Uh, Bill Hancock and his uh, committee have a, a fantastic process they have in place where you have all the data in front of you. Obviously, a lot of people are looking, why wasn't Georgia number one? But, you know, last year doesn't matter. Or the year before doesn't matter. The selection committee will just look at this season. And obviously, with Ohio State with big wins over Notre Dame, um, uh, on uh, you know on the road, um, as well as uh, who else did they beat? They beat another ranked team, Penn State. Uh, those are two top eleven team wins, so uh, they they certainly deserve to be number one. I think interesting enough, Florida State is the only team in the top twelve of this uh, of this rankings that does not play a ranked team going down the stretch. And you want to be in a position where you can help your resume in front of the committee. So, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia Georgia plays number 10, 12, and 17. You know, Alabama still has number 14, obviously, this weekend. Washington has number 20, number 18, and number 16. Um, so, um, you know, and Michigan still has number 11 and then number one to play. So, um, you know, I always say it. You know, the playoffs are going on right now. That's right. These, are, these weekends are playoff games, playing games. So um, we're very blessed to have, you know, be a part of college football and, in our case, to be a part of the uh, the New Year's Six bowl game. Absolutely. You know, Gary, it's been an interesting topic on my show. As Some callers have been pointed out the last couple of weeks um, that there could be a scenario. First of all, Alabama's got to take care of its own business. And as you know, these usually do work out. But I've had a couple of callers say, you know, what if Alabama ran the table, uh, played, say, George in the SEC championship game and was 12-1? and one. There's a scenario for them not to make it in. If you had four undefeated conference champions or if you had three and you had Texas that was the Big 12 champion with one loss and having beat Alabama head up, I think this thing will work it out. I, I just can't imagine. That's what I told them. I said, well, you, you have an interesting scenario there, but I just can't imagine a world where Alabama could be 12-1, and one, beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, and not be in the college football playoff. But if you just look at the the standings right now and the way they set up, I guess there you know there is potential for that, but it would certainly be unprecedented. Well, I tell you, we saw Alabama. I guess it was going way back here, 2017, I think it was, where we had them in our kickoff game, Chick Fil A kickoff game, and they beat Florida State number three. Mm-hmm. Alabama was number one. They didn't win the SEC that year, and they got in at number four. And I believe they won the national championship. They did. Um, so that's a scenario that, you know, just what you're talking about. They don't win the SEC. 
I think they had one loss that year, and they they got in uh, number four because they played a tough non conference mm-hmm. schedule and wound up winning the uh, national championship right there in Atlanta, <laughs> fourth and yeah, twenty six. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So um, yeah, so it's happened in the past, and obviously, you know, you've got to, as you mentioned, you got to take care of your business. You got to you got to win the rest of your game, and you need a little luck. You need something to fall your way. I'd be surprised if teams were to able to go undefeated in this in this season with the games they still have left on the docket to play. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the great thing about college football at this time of the year. Sure is. All right, the, the 12-team playoff is coming, and like a lot of people, I was on the fence about it, but I think it's time. I'm ready for it. In fact, you know, to kind of uh, just discuss this with you, this would be one of those years right now on paper where, man, if it were a 12-team playoff a year early, it sure would set up nicely. So I think it's going to be fun, and uh, I, I think it's time. Do you agree? Well, you know, I think college football – uh, with all the negative things and the transition going on, uh, you know, we're seeing our highest rated, uh, uh, viewer, viewership, uh, of college football this year. Uh, some of that may be because the strike, the writer's strike, but some of it I think is because you have NBC, CBS, ABC, ESPN, and Fox all broadcasting games. And therefore they have to promote those games. So there's not a lot more promotion going into exposing college football. And so I think, you know, we're going to see a a jump next year over and above this year, which right now it's record record viewership. Um, And I think you'll see record attendance because you're going to have 30, 40 teams still on the hunt in October and November for those 12 spots. So, uh, and with all that TV network uh, promotion, it's only going to help viewership and attendance of the game of college football. So, uh, and we're blessed again. We're going to kick off the season in our Aflac kickoff game with Georgia versus Clemson next year, which will probably be two top ten teams. And then we'll we'll do the uh, first quarter final game of the CFB, where we'll either have number one, two, three, or four playing against the winner of a first round game. And then at the end of that year. Season we'll play we'll have the national championship game in Atlanta. So next year is going to be a blockbuster year for us. You throw in the SEC championship game, and we'll probably have you know four games of top ten teams in each of those four games. So great time of the year to be in Atlanta. Great time to uh, be in college football, and you know we're we're looking forward to hosting it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl is just a, a major, major player and, and, uh, will continue to be. Uh, your thoughts on, on what Kirby's done at Georgia. You followed it closely. Of course, you followed the, you know, Alabama, Georgia, um, scenario where Georgia just couldn't get over the hump, but, um, they just kept, you know, he just kept pounding on that door and, uh, a couple of years ago, took that beat down in the SEC championship game, but came back and beat Alabama up in Indy for the national title. And Georgia hasn't, hasn't looked back and hasn't lost since that, since that SEC championship game lost to Alabama. It's been a pretty amazing run for Kirby and the dogs. Well, I always remember when I'd go over to see Nick at Alabama, um, there'd be one guy that would be in the office um, after I met with Nick. And that was always Kirby smart. And, um, he was, uh, he learned from Nick a great work ethic and obviously, you know, being under, you know, uh, Mark Richt and being under, 
uh, you know, Vince Dooley and some of the assets of Georgia that he has, um, you know, I I believe Georgia is, to me, it's the best, uh, it's either the best or one of the best jobs in the country. And I don't want to denigrate anybody, but, you know, I go back to Nick in 2007, eight, when I started the kickoff game and I asked Nick to come over play and he was in his second year at Alabama. And, um, I still remember they had lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year, finished seven and six. He said, Gary, I'd love to come over and play because we had Clemson who was going to be number nine. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd love to come over and play because if, if I can finish first in Alabama for recruiting and finish second to Georgia in Georgia to recruit, we'll play and win national championships. Wow. And so they, they won that game 34-10. Nick would tell you that was the start of the run they've been on ever since. But the next year in 2009, I brought them back. They were number five, Alabama was, playing Virginia Tech number seven. They won that game, and they went on to win the national championship. And on that roster, they had 19 kids from Georgia. So, you know, Georgia is, you know, living in, a, in, living in Atlanta and Georgia for as many years as I have. We are third. I think we've jumped California now on the number of kids to matriculate on college football scholarships. Texas number one, Florida number two, Georgia's number three. So there's so many players in Georgia. If you look around the rosters, not only the SEC, but around the country, it's amazing how many kids from Georgia are starting on college football uh, roster. And Kirby has basically, not to say he has his pick, but being the state university in Georgia, he's going to get a lot of opportunities for those kids. So, you know, what he's done learning from Nick and put into place at Georgia with all the recruiting assets that they have, um, you know, there's no reason why Georgia won't continue uh, the great rivalry with Alabama going into the future. Yeah, I agree. It's so strange last year, and uh, hopefully that won't be the case this year because we're all hoping Alabama makes it to the SEC championship game. Alabama has become so tied to Atlanta that it felt weird uh, not not playing a game there last year, whether it be a, a kickoff game or the SEC championship game or our semifinal game or a national championship game. It was a strange feeling, I think, for a lot of Alabama people to not be in Atlanta last year because since Nick Saban got here, I mean, Alabama football has been tied uh, to Atlanta, and it's uh, it was a well, strange feeling last you. year. We missed you, and I think Nick's record uh, is 18-1 and one between all the SEC championship games, the kickoff games, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Um, I think his only loss is to Florida in, what, 07? Mm, 08. Uh, 08. It was the first, they, the first SEC That's championship right. game. They got T-Boat in the fourth quarter over there after going 12-0 yeah. in the regular season. Yeah, they won. I think they won the other 18 games that they've played here. So, uh, yeah, Alabama's been good to uh, – Atlanta and Atlanta's been good to Alabama. Lastly, Gary, uh, you've got uh, Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Uh, we see what's happening in the in the the Big Ten, the Big Twelve. Unfortunately, we see what's happening to the Pac twelve, which I'm just sick about. I, I just, I just, but it is the future. Uh, we're headed toward the Power Conferences. Just your uh, overall opinion on on where we're at with college football and where we're headed. Well, I'm sad, frankly. I think college football has uh, lost its way a little bit. Um, you know, college. College athletics should be about getting a kid an opportunity for a scholarship, number one. Number two, getting that kid a degree. 
because 98% of these kids, whether you're football, basketball, swimmer, soccer, baseball, whatever, you know, uh, not many kids are going to get the chance to play pro. So it's important we're intercollegiate athletics to get these kids a degree. And then I fully believe that these donors and collectives should not be there to pay kids to come to school. They should be there afterwards when Mm -hmm. these kids graduate, get their degree to give these kids jobs. And even the kids that go to the pros, not many of them last more than three years. The NFL stands for not for long. There are very few kids that make it to that fourth year, which is a free agency year where you really make generational type money. So those kids, you know, they last three years. They're still picking up a lunch bail and going to work, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old and have the rest of their life. So I think we've we've got everything backwards. Everybody's chasing money. It's, it's a shame. We've lost our way. And um, I don't know that we ever get it back, unfortunately. But uh, I can understand the NIL and kids being paid um, for, for their, their abilities. Uh, just like every student does, I understand that. But when you start getting into paying for kids to come to school rather than them earning, um, you know, through NIL, I think that's where we've gone wrong. The transfer portal needs help. Signing date needs help. Um, we've lost our, our way a little bit. And um, hopefully there's some leaders out there that will get us back. I don't know that it can happen, but... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the second most favorite sport in this country, and everybody's complaining about $30, $40 million. The NFL signed a $10 billion contract for TV last year. That's one year. That's $132 million per team in the NFL in TV money before sponsorship, ticket sales, uh, merchandise, concessions, or anything else. If, if college football would get its head together, and go together and negotiate TV deals. We're collectively right now probably about $3 billion a year in TV if you add all the conferences together. If we're the second most favorite sport in the country, you look at our TV ratings over the weekends, add them all up, they're, they're better than, than any other sport. And if we would go together instead of the SEC doing its own thing and the Big Ten doing its own thing, we, we would get – probably double that maybe six billion seven and a half billion dollars a year you split that up around all the teams and no one's complaining about any money and that's the problem we have um we we need to combine together get collective we're mm-hmm. college football we're one sport and everybody all you know rising tide lifts all boats and that's the way we should look at it but unfortunately you know we're we're uh we're not doing that right now. Well stated. Stronger together. There's no doubt about that. Gary Stoken, always a pleasure visiting with you and a chance Alabama will be in the SEC championship game and could wind back up in the in the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So hopefully I'll get a chance to see you here soon. 
We'd love to see you, Gary. Thanks. Take care. Appreciate you having us and have a great rest of the season. Thank you. Great stuff from Gary Stoken there. It is 1019 here on the program, and we want to jump right in with Gary. So I did not mention to you other than briefly, but I do want to talk to you about Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law for just a moment. They bring you this second hour. Of course, Paul Patterson comes in every couple of weeks with some free legal advice. Love being partnered up with Paul Patterson and Mike Comer because I know the type of gentlemen they are, and I know that they're incredible lawyers, and they're right here in West Alabama. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport, 205-759-3939. So if you're dealing with a personal injury, automobile case, or whatever it may be, uh, give them a call. If they can't help you, they'll help you find somebody that can. And if they do take your case, remember, there's never a dime out of pocket. They work on contingency. They don't take a dime from you unless they collect for you. So there's no risk at all. Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, right here in West Alabama. Find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we're going to come back with SEC point spread predictions for this week here on the program. And then, of course, at 1030, it's the Auburn Report, and it's also Bama football trivia. The chance to win that print, the special edition Greg Gamble print, the shutout commemorating Alabama's 21-0 victory over LSU in the... um, 2012 BCS National Championship game, winning the national championship for the 2011 season. So a lot to get to. We can still take more phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline as well at 205-342-9904. We'll be right back here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Houston Hydra Steam Carpet and Upholstery Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Dry weather continues today with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high 67. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low 41. And for tomorrow and Sunday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow 72, the high Sunday at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's rock and roll all night. Party every day. We'll be ready for the weekend. I don't know what will. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. It is 1024. We've got Bama football trivia and... We've got the Auburn report coming up in the next segment. And I tell you what, I think I'm just going to hold my point spread predictions until the final segment. Ah, let's go ahead and do them. Let's go ahead and do them right now. I got time to do them. Uh, first of all, I do want to, uh, since we don't have a phone call, I got time to get to them. I do want to mention that I'm back to 500, Justin and Noah. How about that? It's been a fight all year, but three and two last week got me to 32 and 32 on the year. So if I can finish here with a flurry these next few weeks, I can, I can finish with a winning record, which is, you know, like I said, to do this for entertainment purposes only, I don't think I've ever had a losing record in all the years that we've been doing the SEC point spread predictions. In fact, I know I haven't. But um, to get back to 500 after I started out so slow is uh, is pretty cool. I still haven't had that that huge week, you know, a, a undefeated week or a one or two loss week. But uh, last week, three and two. And this week with eight games, you know, if I could pop a six and two on them, um, or even five and three, obviously seven and one, it could be really, really good. So let's get to it. Uh, three and two last week, this week, eight games to pick, beginning with Alabama and LSU. Bama is minus three, which, um, that line has moved. It's come down. I'm not surprised by that. 
Most people expect it to be a really close game. A lot of people expect LSU to win the game. So I'm going to take the tide here because I've got a 38-31 Bama. I believe this is a, a game where Bama's offense really steps up. They've been playing better. Jalen Milrow is uh, is really becoming confident as a quarterback of that team. And I like I like the tide here minus the three to cover. So I got Bama 38-31. Also, Texas A&M. At Ole Miss. Now, this game's got me confused a little bit. No, you grab those phones while Justin stepped out, if you don't mind, just for a second. Uh, this is, um, let's see, you've got Ole Miss at 7-1. and one. You've got A&M at 5-3. and three. Yet the line is just three in Oxford. That tells me that they're begging you here to take Ole Miss. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I just think Ole Miss is playing for a lot more than A&M is. I'm going to take the Rebels minus three. I'm going to get through these pretty quickly so I can take a phone call before the segment ends. But we got Tennessee laying 36 at home against UConn. That's a lot of points. But UConn under um, Jim Moore Jr. has been unbelievably bad this year. I didn't see this coming. Tennessee's at home. Um, they're going to want to put a beat down on the on the Huskies. I'm going to I'm going to lay the 36 here. Florida's laying four and a half against Arkansas. Arkansas is uh, play people tough, but uh, Gators at home coming off that loss to Georgia. I'll take the Gators minus four and a half. Jacksonville State at USC. No, not the not the USC. The University of South Carolina. South Carolina Gamecocks. Having a miserable season, you could say, well, they're going to beat up on JSU. JSU's good. Rich Rod's got them playing great. I'm taking the 15 and a half here. I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville State keeps this game competitive into the fourth quarter. All right, Missouri's at Georgia. That's a big one. I don't know. I, I'm trying to believe in Mizzou. Uh, they did take, had a chance to beat LSU. Georgia coming off the big win over Florida, 15 and a half. I'm going to take the points here. I think Missouri can play them competitively. Vandy's catching 12 and a half at home against Auburn. Auburn's not great. Vandy, we know, is not good at all. But I'll take the points here. Plus 12 and a half. I think this is a low-scoring game. And then Mississippi State getting four and a half against Kentucky. I'm going to take Mississippi State getting the points. And I know they're miserable. But Kentucky's not very good right now either. And it's on the road in Starville. I'll take the four and a half. All right, those are my picks. Let's get to Ellisville real quick. Ellis, we got like two minutes, man. Uh, just gonna give you a score, to tell you that I'm in town as we speak. Were you able to get a ticket? Uh, not got a ticket yet, but I'm still in town. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Uh, still gonna come down and uh, support my team somehow. Absolutely. Well, maybe you'll maybe you'll find one and, and, and get in. We got a score prediction. Uh, if, if I don't, I can watch your third tailgate. Oh, you sure can. There are plenty of listen. There'll be like I told you, there'll be about fifty thousand of you and your closest friends that are just watching the game outside the stadium somewhere. So that won't be a problem. What's your score prediction? Oh, you're okay. Uh, thirty-five, thirty-one, Bama. I got you, my friend. All right, glad you made it down, buddy. All right, roll tight. All right, thank you, Ellis. Good to hear from you. All right, so you got my point spread predictions. I'm going with Bama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, Jacksonville State, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. All right, when we come back on the other side, Brett Pritchard with the Auburn Report, but also I'll give my trivia question first, and then I will, while we're interviewing Brett, 
You can call in on the hotline, First to Main Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. Get qualified. Use the app. The app has been really popular, and we've had some app winners. You download that app, or if you've downloaded it, you can send in a little message on the app, and Noah and Justin will be able to get it and get your score there. And, I, of course, on social media, some people text me from time to time, and if I get an opportunity, then I will uh, I will uh, pass that along as well and get you qualified that way. So, Auburn Report and Bama Football Trivia, courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall, coming up next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. As industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. For when your finances are in perfect order, it just happens. But no matter what surprises come, your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're working for the weekend, that's for sure. Fred Pritchard with the Auburn Report coming up in just a moment. But right now, get ready. It is time to play Bama Football Trivia presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. And we're playing for that uh, special edition Greg Gamble print, the shutout. Alabama's uh, 21 to nothing victory over LSU in the 2012 BCS National Championship game is commemorated uh, for the 2011 season national championship. And it is beautiful. It's on my... Gary Harris uh, Twitter page at Gary Harris underscore WVUA. Also on my Gary Harris WVUA uh, 23 Facebook page. You can see it there. All right. Here is the question. And, you know, there was a, a – always remember the saying, the tie don't lose in Baton Rouge? Uh, that that was earned. Uh, Alabama Coach Brian, of course, as he did most people, had an incredible record against LSU and his uh, – Former player Charlie McClendon, Charlie Mack played for him in Kentucky. But Alabama lost in Baton Rouge to LSU on November 8th, 1969. The final was LSU 20, Alabama 15. Now, there's a tie in here. I don't want you to count the tie. 
But Alabama, after losing to LSU in Baton Rouge in 1969, this is an amazing streak. Didn't lose to the Tigers again in Baton Rouge until what year? What year did LSU snap its home field winless streak against Alabama? There was a tie in there. I don't mind telling you that. There was a tie between the two teams in Baton Rouge back in 1985. But as far as a win, uh, LSU had beaten Alabama in Baton Rouge in 1969 and didn't win again in, in Baton Rouge until what year? Now, after they won that game, they, they won a few there, but it was a long, long streak. So after winning in Baton Rouge over Alabama in 1969, LSU did not win over the Tide in Baton Rouge again at Tiger Stadium until what year? That's the question. 205-342-9904 is the number. You can call us on the hotline. You can use the app to send in a message, or if you want to send me a social media message, I'll get you qualified as well. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First of Mankato's hotline and welcome in Brett Pritchard for the Auburn report from the Auburn Blitz and uh, Auburn got its first SEC win of the season last week at home against Mississippi State and one I'll try to make it two in a row on the road Saturday in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Good morning Brett. Good morning Gary. How are you buddy? Good to have you. I guess the thing that the biggest takeaway from the game last week in addition to winning the game was just uh, it seemed like Auburn kind of solidified itself on offense. You know Freeze said I just decided to tell the coaches this is what we're going to do. Not that they won't use Ashford some but it's Peyton Thorne's offense and I have to say that's that's the best Auburn's looked on offense since way back early in the season. Really solid uh, performance. Second half they didn't do much but they didn't have to do much. They had a lead. They didn't have field position but in the first half, Auburn's offense was really clicking. Yeah, it, it really was a, a breath of fresh air. I think, um, you know, being back at home and, uh, you know, playing a wounded team uh, definitely helped. Uh, all that, all those factored in. But, you know, it was a, it was Peyton Thorne, really, that showed out in my in my mind. When you look at his numbers and uh, his efficiency and his ability to run that offense, uh, you look at, you know, not having to look over your shoulders much. You know, Robbie Ashford, I think, had two, two snaps in the game. He ran the ball. And, you know, I'm not saying that ship sailed, but I think through, you know, what we've discussed and the last few weeks and what Coach Freeze has had to take from the media the last few weeks, that he, he understands that, you know, you've got to find somebody. you got to settle on one person to get some consistency on offense. And, uh, you can tell Pate Thorne was more relaxed. He said that uh, after the game. He really kind of got in a flow. And, um, you know, I said this on our show this past week. I said that, you know, I don't know what Hugh Freeze will end up doing the rest of the year. I don't know what he'll look back on and say, I wish I'd have done this or wish I'd done that when the year's over. But I, I definitely think he's going to look back. If Pate Thorne is the guy moving forward, we see a majority of, and Auburn goes on like a four-game winning streak heading into the Iron Bowl. I think he might look back and go, man, I, I probably should have done that earlier in the year. But, uh, anyway, I think Peyton set the tone offense. Uh, had some receivers step up and make some plays. So you're right, Gary. The best overall look we've seen. And in the second half, I thought Coach Freeze answered some, some questions there. He talked about, um, hey, look, you know, our field position was bad. I just, of scores right there and we didn't want to give them a freebie and so it really dictated what type of play calling they did and how aggressive they were so uh overall trying to get that first win got that first sec win under their belt 
uh, and now they head on the road to another opponent that's a very winnable game. Absolutely. Let's jump right back in on that in just a minute, Brett. I do want to give the trivia question again because some people are calling in. They're not clear on it. The question is, LSU beat Alabama in Baton Rouge back in 1969. The Bayou Bengals did not win again in Baton Rouge until what year? Now, they did beat Alabama some in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. We're talking about at Tiger Stadium, okay? They won in 1969, and they did not win again until what year in Tiger Stadium? I, don't call in saying when they beat Alabama, and I was there in Tuscaloosa or Birmingham. That's not what we're talking about, okay? What year did they snap that long losing streak against Alabama what year was that? Remember the tie don't lose in Baton Rouge. So that's the question. We're having a little bit of confusion over that, so I want to clear that up. All right, let's get back to Brett and the Auburn report. Um, yeah, we, we looked at the schedule. You know, I've discussed this a lot. We knew early on there were going to be a chance for some wins, and, and Auburn went, went 3-0. and uh, You hit that stretch. We talked about maybe being able to get one or two of those, and you came close, uh, but, but lost the four in a row. But now, you know, getting to Vanderbilt, you beat Mississippi State. You're at Vanderbilt. You're at Arkansas. You get New Mexico State at home, so there is a good chance that going into the Iron Bowl, uh, Auburn could be on a on a on a four game winning streak here and be bowl eligible. The key, though, is you can't drop one of these games, and it starts with Vanderbilt uh, tomorrow afternoon in Nashville. This is a team that doesn't have a win in the SEC. Auburn's a nearly a, you know 13, a twelve and a half point favorite, so on paper it looks good, but we know they don't play them on paper. What concerns you about this about this game? Well, just the fact that uh, you know you're going up. You're on the road, and, you know, all, this Auburn team over the last couple of years just hasn't played well on the road no matter who they, they've gone up against. And, you know, again, this is a, a, a program that's still learning uh, as far as from the, the guys that are in the program right now, learning uh, as they move forward through this season. We said that, you know, right at the beginning of the season, Gary, we said this is going to be a learning experience every single game for this Auburn team because there's so many new faces. So you're going back on the road uh, in, in an environment where, you know, let's be honest, at, at Vanderbilt, most of, most of the time, the away team has majority of the fans. I think 70% of the fans uh, will be Auburn fans up there, which which will help some. But it's also going through the routine of what you do when you travel and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I think when you go on the road in this conference, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. We saw Georgia struggle for a half against State and and like I said last week to you, I said can't go on a four game winning streak until you win the first. That's right. So you don't look forward to all these games. Yes, they're all favorable. They get the Mississippi State win. Now their their focus needs to be solely on going to Nashville and getting the win, so they can come back and prepare to go back on the road and play Arkansas. And again, I know Arkansas. Uh, is at the bottom of the conference and they're playing horrible right now. But still, you, you, you'll cross that bridge when you get there. They need to focus on this Vanderbilt team. You know, in Vanderbilt, you know, from time to time, they can, they can get some things going. And again, um, it's tough to get SEC wins. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. So I think Auburn needs to keep the same mindset, hopefully keep that consistency that they had in the first half against Mississippi State. You look back again at the Mississippi State game, and, and obviously Peyton Thorne deserves a lot of credit, put up good numbers. Uh, how impressed were you, though, by the fact that those receivers, um, which have been under scrutiny, and rightfully so, made some plays, uh, really made some plays for him. The the best game probably of the year for the receiving core. Would you agree with that? Hey, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, 
no doubt. You know, and I think Tavares Johnson uh, had a couple catches uh, for almost 80 yards, uh, had a touchdown in the game. You saw Shane Hooks early in the game with a, with a score. Um, you know, this Auburn team, we said it. If you want to go back and look at what these guys were ranked, you know, going back through um, to their recruiting days, I mean, there's several four-star guys on this on this team. I mean, they, they're not chopped liver. I know the receiving core hasn't been a strong suit by any stretch for, for Auburn in a while, but these guys had some talent coming out of high school. You know, Jay Fair. Uh, Jay Fair's kind of been the guy that's been consistent along Rivaldo along with Roboto Fairweather all year. Uh, and I, I think that was the thing that impressed me the most is how out of the 20 completions uh, for Peyton Thorne, he, he worked the ball to a bunch of different guys. A bunch of different guys caught passes. And I think that's what ha- has to happen. There, There is definitely not one stud guy that you look to, that you want to throw the football to, that's your you know, go-to guy when, when it's crunch time. It could be anybody. And, and so – uh, I, I'm starting to see a Caleb Burton guy emerge. You're starting to see Jay Fair improve week to week. You're starting to see Rivaldo Fairweather be a guy that you can go to when you need a, a, a clutch first down. But then you add a Cam Brown and like a Javaris Johnson and, and a Shane Hooks to the mix. Now all of a sudden you got five or six guys that you feel comfortable throwing the ball to. So um, the running game and the offensive line also helped Peyton Thorne. Uh, Jacquez Hunter had his best mm-hmm. game of the year, uh, running for over 140 yards. Uh, uh, I, I think that, that definitely helped what Auburn was trying to do. And, you know, Mississippi State, for all their faults, they have, you know, they're, they're pretty good on defense, you know, and they, they've, they've really shut some things down. And I thought Auburn jumping out early, taking advantage of some opportunities really kind of set the tone for the game. We talk so much about identity in, in football. Uh, this team's got to establish its identity. And I think we use that term because a lot of times we watch teams and, and I guess it is a good term because we just can't figure out who they are. Do you feel like Auburn has found its identity? I, you know, I, we got to see more, I think, Gary. It's, it's been too much up in the air to this point. I think we made strides in that Mississippi State game. You know, I think obviously Hugh Freeze, said it a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's not had an offense really go for a passing offense to go for less than 3,000 yards in a season. Um, I, I think he wants to throw the football, but obviously he wants to establish the running game. He wants it to be a good mix. And I think he said that early on in the process that Auburn's built a blue-collar personality over the years on being able to run the football. And you've got to be able to run the football in this league to be successful. You can't throw it 55, 60 times a, a game and, and be one-dimensional, that's not going to get you what you want. So uh, I think he wants that balance. I think Auburn's – the strength to this point has been the running game. Auburn, in any of these games that we've looked at, even in the losses, they've been able to run the ball uh, somewhat. Uh, and I think that's what the offensive line does the best job of is run blocking. But hopefully, like you said, maybe – they're starting to take strides in the right direction as far as pass blocking and communication up front. So, um, you know, would love to see another 250, 300-yard passing effort from Peyton Thorne on Saturday against Vanderbilt and um, and be, you know, very efficient with throwing the football and no mistakes. And so uh, I think we've got just a small sample size right now. If he can do it over two or three games, we'll know more. 
So what's your feeling on how this one will play out? I, I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that Auburn's favored. Um, I thought 12 and a half, 13 sounded a little high to me. I would have been more in the nine to 10 range, but what do you, what do you see from, from your Tigers on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised too. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I look at the, the, the last couple of weeks for, for Vanderbilt, actually the last three weeks, uh, going back to that Florida game, uh, that, that was on the road, but, uh, only putting up 14 there uh, against, a uh, you know, not a very good Florida team. Um, they did challenge Georgia in the first half, but Georgia ended up winning pretty comfortably in the second half. And, and they just looked bad last week on, on the road against Ole Miss. So, um, if you look at Vanderbilt at home, uh, they, they seem to play a little bit better, like most teams do, but they've only got two wins on the season. Um, and, and, and they're just not a very good team. One of them was, you know, that win very, all the way back at the beginning of the year. Both of them actually were. Uh, against uh, Hawaii and Alabama A&M. They were back-to-back, and they had one game since. So um, I think Auburn really needs to go up there and do what they do well, and that's establish the line of scrimmage, running the football first, and then loosen it up a little bit and let Peyton Thorne throw it around. So I think that's what you're going to see them do. I think the constant's been the defense all year. This is not a very good offense at Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Auburn's going to have opportunities to – to get some negative plays and get them behind the chains and, um, again, maybe create some turnovers. This is an opportunistic defense. They've been that way all year. And, um, you know, I think if they can get some turnovers, I think Auburn can control that game pretty easy. Good stuff. As always, Brad, just a real quick, uh, couple quick thoughts on the two big games in the SEC this weekend. Let's start in the East with Missouri at Georgia. Um, you know, Missouri has a chance to, to really prove they've, they are for real. Uh, any shot there you see for the Tigers against the Bulldogs? You know, I think it looks good from a matchup on on uh, off, off the hoof, a number twelve versus a number two. But I and I think Missouri's really been the the surprise team this year, no doubt. I mean, they're a couple of plays away from being undefeated, and that would have been a big win against LSU. But them going into Athens and and then looking like you know Carson Beck really getting his Sea legs under him now, even without Brock Bowers. Uh, what they did this past week to Florida kind of sent a message for me, at least. And uh, even though Florida's not very good, they just 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 rolled Florida in that mm-hmm. game. I, I think at Athens, uh, I don't give Missouri much of a chance. I think what are they a fifteen point underdog 15 in that game? Yep. I, yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, Georgia wins this one easily. I know the Missouri will play hard. I think they'll play good early. Uh, but I think Georgia ends up winning comfortable. And in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night, uh, Bam and LSU. Man, I tell you, I, I, I battled back and forth for this one. I think this is going to be a really good football game. Obviously, Alabama getting three points at home, uh, you know, basically is a wash because you get three being a home, home field advantage. I, I think it's a toss up. I mean, the keys, Jaden Daniels, uh, what kind of numbers, uh, can he put up against Alabama? Alabama to me, still has one of the best defenses in this conference, if not the best. And um, it's going to be a tough environment uh, for Jaden Daniels to navigate. But LSU has been able to score points about against almost everybody this year. And to me right now, he's the only shot of anybody from this conference getting an invite to New York for the Heisman. I mean, his numbers look really similar to those five quarterbacks out in the Pac-12. So it's going to be on Jaden Daniels' back. And he – can he produce enough points against this defense to give him a chance to win? 
it's hard to go to Brian Denny and win, especially after Alabama lost the way they did last year. Tell you, I think Alabama ends up pulling out of close. Brad, I know uh, you got the Auburn Blitz to keep people updated uh, every day, and uh, know you'll be previewing uh, the weekend coming up here in just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be talking about uh, uh, you know the, the Vanderbilt game. Going to be discussing some basketball. Auburn's got a big game uh, next week on the road in South Dakota against Baylor. Um, so um, had some injuries. Uh, that Auburn's trying to nurse, uh, a little scary moment with Janai Broom early in that, that exhibition game with AUM, but looks like everything is okay with his shoulder, so they expect him to play, and Aiden Holloway's been in a boot, but uh, Bruce Pearl expects him to be available for the Baylor game, too, so uh, I'm looking forward to that as well, and yeah, we'll talk about that in a lot more. Thank you, pal. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. All right, ten fifty one. I had some people had told me I made the trivia questions too easy. Well, I think we toughened it up a little bit today. We've had a lot of people missing, a lot of people misunderstanding it. But we're going to go ahead and uh, shut the phone lines down because uh, when we come back, we're going to have just enough time to give the the winner and the answer to the question. A little bit tougher today, but if you follow Alabama football closely, it probably wasn't that tough you know again the tide don't lose in baton rouge they earned that moniker for a long time and in fact it was funny that there was a while there where the road team was winning you know just about every year it seemed like all right we'll be back with the answer and to get ready to wrap up this uh, edition of the gary harris show next right here on tide 100.9 fm and 1230 a.m wtbc on the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Monday, 7.30. Max Howell will join us. We'll talk about that LSU game. Are the Tide fans going to be sad or will they be ecstatic about the Alabama victory over the LSU Tigers? Also, the second hour, Doug Bell will join us. Uh, we'll look at Doug's picks. Can Doug win a game this week? We'll also discuss the Blue Plate Special. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Dry weather continues today with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high 67. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low 41. And for tomorrow and Sunday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 72, the high Sunday at 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free.
on the Gary Harris Show. Glad I went ahead and did my SEC point spread predictions because we wouldn't have time. But we got time to uh, give the answer to the trivia question and do our roulette uh, wheel for a winner. We got 21 qualifiers. We had a lot of wrong answers. I mean, like I said, this was a little bit tougher question. I had a couple of people say, well, you don't make those questions very tough. Well, I don't want to make them too tough because I want people to have an opportunity to win. But um, I thought about different ways to phrase the question about the, the record between Alabama and I just remember, you know, growing up and all the years going down there, the tide don't lose in Baton Rouge. So the question is, after winning in Baton Rouge, uh, Charlie Mack and LSU beat Coach Bryant and uh, Alabama 20 to 15 back in 1969. There was a tie when Bill Arnsberger was coaching LSU and Ray Perkins was coaching uh, Alabama back in 1985, 14 14. But LSU, after winning in 1969, the question was, what year did they win again? Now, they won it several times in, in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa in that period, but they did not win again until 2000. That was a 31 game winless streak. Can you imagine being an LSU fan and going to Tiger Stadium year after year after year after year after year and not getting a win? And I was there in 85. I was shooting video for the Ray Perkins show at the time. They should have won that game. And that was a tie, but they didn't win that game. So uh, they went 31 years without a win over Alabama in their home stadium. And so the answer was 2000. We had 21 qualifiers. Everybody has their name attached to the number in which they qualified in the order they called in. So go ahead and roll that roulette wheel. So much fun. Anticipation. What number, Justin? Mike P is our winner. Number six. Number six, Mike P. All right, Mike P. I know they got your phone number. Um, they'll be sending me the, your number, and I'll be getting in touch with you. Mike P, you are the winner of that beautiful shutout print. Alabama over LSU 21 nothing in the 2012 BCS National Championship game to win the 2011 national title. All right. Mike P, congratulations. Thanks, everybody, for playing. Thanks to all our qualifiers. That's going to wrap it up. we got Miller's Edge coming up next. And then we'll have uh, Big Noon Sports. And then we'll have Ryan Fowler in the game as our Friday free-for-all kind of continues here on all our stations. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you again on Monday when we recap Alabama and LSU. For Justin and Noah, I'm Gary. Stay tuned for the Miller's Edge. Have a great weekend. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.